Hey yo, welcome back to Beyond the Diamond. We are your hosts, Colby Rush and Hunter Broadman. Remember to follow us on Insta at Beyond the Diamond Podcast and Twitter at Beyond the Dia Pod. Let's get right into today's show. All right, guys, it's great to be back. We're sorry for not recording the last two weeks. Our schedules have been nuts. Uh, we just had the longest homestand in the history of UConn Huskies baseball, and Fairfield's playing a lot of home games too. So we've had a lot going on with conference play starting, but we're back better than ever, and we're ready for a great show today. Yeah, that's right. Um, Fairfield, 14-game homestand. UConn, super long homestand. But hey, we're winning, so it doesn't matter. Exactly. Both of our teams doing great. We will have plenty of that talk for you a little later in the episode. But as we always do, let's start off with a freshly released top 25 from D1 Baseball this morning. Arkansas back in the number one spot after a tough weekend for the Vandy boys. Yeah, uh, a tough weekend for sure. Their first series loss since 2019 to Georgia, which was also to Georgia. So not what you like to see out of uh, old Vandy, but Arkansas, I think, Arkansas Vandy is probably the clear cut one and two for the rest of the season. It's just going to go back and forth. Um, Texas at three, Mississippi State at four, Tennessee at five, and Ole Miss at six. I think that top six is going to change around, but I think those are the six teams that will stay within the top six. I agree. Yeah, Louisville and Texas Tech have got great ball clubs, but it seems as though they're cementing themselves as the top six teams right there. Um, but Arkansas, really impressive for them. Um, they won a road series at number three, Old Miss. And two weeks ago, then number three, Mississippi State, they had swept them. Um, they uh, just amazing. Um, they had a huge comeback. It was a crazy game in Sunday's finale. Um, it was 18 to 14 win for Arkansas. Um, so props to them for what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um they lost the second game of the doubleheader, but that usually it's tough to win both games of a doubleheader for sure. So, and especially a high scoring one like that, I think it was 14, 13 or something. Yeah. Um, but then to just come back and just win on Sunday, a great win. Um, Ole Miss didn't look bad. They just were outmatched. It's yeah. They're top six teams still, but that number one and number two are different breeds. Unless you're it was Georgia. just like that UConn-Texas Tech series. It was a great competition. We were right there with them. But ultimately, that top team just had a little more and did what they needed to do to win it. Yeah, I completely agree. Texas Tech clearly the better team, but UConn's not bad, as we're seeing now. Yeah, not at all. Um, another team I got my eye on this up 10, Notre Dame up to 10. Um Link Jarrett is in his second year as head coach there, and he's done a great job turning this thing around. Uh, when we had Josh Moldon a few weeks ago, he was giving us the lowdown on them. But uh, Nico Cavadas, that man keeps hitting home runs. Got a nice pitching staff too. So fighting Irish, look for them to make some noise as we come down the stretch here and start looking forward towards postseason. Yeah, in South Carolina at 11, obviously they got the no-hitter thrown against them a few weeks ago, but they're still right up there in the SEC, the toughest conference in baseball. And I think they're, them, a few other teams, um, are definitely still in it. Um, they're not necessarily going to win it, but like Florida's up there. Um, they're doing pretty good. They obviously were preseason number one, but you have some bumps in the road. You're not going to stay there. Yeah. Um, 21 and 11, the Gators sitting at right now. But, I mean, they've played some great competition, so – 
once again, as we've said before, not that they're a bad team, but it's tough to win all those games. It's a grind. Um, but yeah. Um, Pitt at 19, they weren't on that many radars to start the season, but they've climbed the rankings pretty fast and you could probably say the same for Stanford at 20. Yeah, for sure. Um, both teams, Stanford, especially that have been like historically good at baseball, but this year they were under the rankings and well, now they're not. Um, yeah. Florida state also is rising. They were, I remember the beginning of the season, people were like all oh, Florida state socks and all that. Well, they're kind of going on a run since they played Virginia, Virginia tech and they've just haven't stopped. I watched a little bit of their game over the weekend. They're hitting some balls pretty far. That stadium was packed too. That was nice to see. Yeah. It's refreshing to see those fans back. You know, we could debate whether we think it's a good idea to pack the stadiums, but one thing we can all agree upon is, it is a sight for sore eyes, especially you got that home run celebration down there in Ole Miss with all the beer going around in the grandstands there. It just looks amazing. Makes for such a fun atmosphere. Um, but yeah, I second everything you said there. Um, and then Michigan has been pretty stable at 25. I believe they've been there for the last few weeks now, 15 and seven, um, you know, pretty good season for them, especially after they lost their pitching coach when he went into the major leagues. So they're still always a dangerous team in just about every sport. Yeah, and another team I've been looking out at, um, Virginia Tech at 17. Six home runs on Saturday against Wake Forest at Wake Forest. Home run hammer was out out being used on Saturday for sure. Six home runs, no joke. Um, that's another celebration that we enjoy, and they can bring that one on the road with them. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, so you look at UCLA was a team. They were – really good starting the season and we roasted them a little bit for their performance against San Francisco on opening weekend, but they're only 17, 17 and 11 at the moment. Um, they lost two out of three to Stanford as um, they kept climbing. Stanford's won all seven of their weekend series. I believe I read. So yeah. that explains why they're so high, but not the season UCLA was hoping for. There's plenty of baseball left to play for sure. And they still have a good team, but, Falling out of the top 25 about halfway through is certainly not what they had in mind. Yeah, and granted, Pac-12 is a tough conference. I think we said it was it third hardest in base, second or third in baseball this year. I forget if it's ACC, then Pac-12, or Pac-12, then ACC. But one and two, always that series against Stanford. Tough start for them in conference play. Hopefully it gets better. I don't know. I think they're a little, maybe might have been a little overrated this uh, preseason. It seems like it. And you see uh, Oregon State now. They were at 20 last week. Well, Oregon swept them three-game series in Eugene. Um, and, you know, last month, that was another great series where Oregon had two out of three there. So, um, once again, the Pac-12, it's a tough, tough conference. And, you know, seems Oregon like State, the, I'm yeah. sure, will be back at some point. But a little bit of a wake-up call from their in-state rivals. Yeah, and it seems like just like with the SEC and – Partly the ACC, although that's a little tighter. The teams in the Pac-12 that are good are separating themselves from the other teams. Even though we thought those teams were great, clearly they're not at the same level. For sure. I don't even think Oregon was ranked at the start of the year, if I'm not mistaken. And now they're after 15. So, yeah. Yeah. They're on the rise every week. Mm-hmm. Um, some other mid-season storylines that um, we wanted to touch on. Jaden Hill with LSU. Very unfortunate news that came out. Friday or Saturday he's out for the year with uh, UCL surgery also known as Tommy John 
tough blow for a team that's not even ranked right now. They were obviously hoping to do well this year. I think they were preseason number nine, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. And they've just completely fallen off the rails. They had a few highlights this weekend, but losing their number one pitcher, who's also a top 10 pick projected, it's hard to recover from that. I mean, yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. It's such a shame that it happened, you know. He had one tough start, but on the whole, he's been Jaden Hill this season. So it's it's tough to bounce back from. I mean, anything they can do is a plus, but yeah, you lose a guy like that. It goes without saying that it's just making life almost impossible on you. Yeah, I completely agree. And then on the flip side of that, um, Jack Leiter is never going to lose a baseball game. <laughs> he's he's insane. He. He's more than what we thought he was going to be. I think I was right saying he was going to go number one earlier. After that no-hitter, he's just been on a roll, striking out 12-plus uh, batters in every start, almost yeah. every start this year, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So. Yeah. It's just downright ridiculous what he's been doing. Um, the other day, seven innings, 13 more strikeouts, only three hits, three walks, and a run. Just keeps doing his thing. In a weekend, that was tough for that their pitching staff. Um, certainly not for Jack Leiter. He's not phased by anything. And, you know, Vandy's got two major league pitchers in the rotation right now. And Leiter looks like he could be tossed in a major league game right now and have no trouble dominating. And to say that Georgia game was a down game for him, he let up a run and gave up three hits and walked three guys. That's down for him, which is insane to say. And something that you're right. He's he's a major league ready pitcher right now. Him and Rocker Bull, the Rocker, we'll talk about after. They, I think they could be tossed in a major league rotation right now and do absolutely fine. Lighter might even have some shutout, the seven inning shutouts in the majors. So yeah. the hitters are a big difference, but he's that much better than everyone. He is. His ERA went up after allowing a run. That tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, it was at like a point one, and now it's at like point three. It's yeah, it's not fair. He's not fair. And as you've spoken about this year with some of the changes he makes, he's obviously got the mental game down. That's half the battle. Yeah, so he's locked he in all the time. Adjusting. We see all those I videos. We see all those videos from Pitching Ninja, how he's just standing there as the batter's getting in the box. He's locked. He says, I think on starting nine, they did the interview, and he said, about an hour before my start, I lock in, and no one talks to me, and they know not to talk to me. Cause I'm focused and the catcher knows what I'm throwing. And he, he knows everything and they're locked in. It's, it's working for him. I think that's safe to yeah. say different breed <laughs> as we would say. Kumar is also a different breed, but he was not himself the other day. Gave up three no. home runs to the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah. Um, definitely a tough outing for him. It was tough series overall. As we said, even lighter wasn't perfect, but Rocker really wasn't perfect. He got rocked by Georgia. Um, five innings, seven hits, six runs, all earned. Two walks and 12 Ks. Uh, it was 100 pitches over that five innings, too. I mean, he threw 12 Ks, so clearly he still has his stuff. Oh, yeah. It's just he was missing in the wrong spots. Yeah. I mean, I don't care how hard you throw. If you leave one down the middle, his chances are it might get hit. Um, but, yeah. Exactly like you said, you can still see why he is Kumar Rocker, but 
didn't go his way, that's for sure. And as you mentioned earlier, their first season loss, series loss since 2019, which was also to Georgia. Yeah, and so in that third game, um, they started the freshman Pat Riley, who we've talked about before being a great, he's been great in relief, great as a starter. He was 3-0 entering the day. He only made it through three innings, giving up three hits, three runs, walking on and striking out three. So not, he wasn't horrible, but he also wasn't great. And so I think that's why they pulled him. His pitch count was at 60 over three innings. It wasn't ideal. And I think they wanted to save him for the midweek. So they had to pull him early. Yeah. I mean, you got that Vanderbilt bullpen. You usually feel confident in them. You know, Tim Corbin recruits better than anyone. But at the end of the day, it was their bats that failed them as well as, you know, we can debate who their ace is, but let's just say it's Kumar because he started game one. When your ace does that and your bats only score one total run in that Pat Riley game and um, seven total over the entire series, that's not going to cut it. Yeah, they lost that game um, 9-1, I believe. So that's not something you're looking for forward to. They only scored six runs in the Kumar game, but he they let up 14. So pitching was not good this weekend fielding or fielding was fine uh hitting was not good overall poor series for the previous number one yeah and that's baseball it'll happen but arkansas separated themselves a little bit there so we can feel confident in calling them number one until vanderbilt tells us otherwise and what they've been doing over the season it's it's clear that you know they'll be back but as for now the razorbacks have separated themselves yeah, for sure. And it's going to be close one, two. I think those are the two teams we see in Omaha at the end. I don't know for sure. Obviously, any of those top six, I think, are possible. But I think the top two are clear cut above the rest. No doubt. I agree 100%. So it's our favorite time of the show now, where we will go on some monologues discussing our teams. Fairfield, we'll start with them. Absolutely. Uh, Warpath going through the Mac right now. Yeah, we finally got some games in. Um, after our first weekend against Canisius, after we had Justin on, um, next weekend got postponed because of COVID in St. Peter's. So then we were supposed to play Marist the weekend after. That got canceled because they're on COVID. Pause. So we ended up playing Iona at home as the away team. Friday was freezing. It was mid 30s it felt like the 20s on the field so you know the offensive output wasn't as much there but the pitching definitely stepped up and that's northeast um, baseball that is northeast baseball sansone and noviello both through they let up a total of four runs two each um that's noviello's only two runs allowed this year um both were pretty dominant and the offense was still there a little bit um Game one, Crusoe hit Mike Crusoe, catcher, hit his first home run of the season. Uh, Mike Handel and Danny Ryan, the one, two in the order, they're just hitting like no one's business, obviously, aside from Justin. Uh, both telling RBIs in this game, in the second game, Bichetti, Mike Bichetti, DH, second baseman, hit a two RBI double uh, to start things off in that second game. And they ended up winning both games 4 2. So, not huge offensive outputs compared to what we've been seeing from Fairfield, but the pitching stepped up when it needed to in that cold weather, and they still won. Uh, game three, 7-0 shutout by uh, John Signor. He threw six innings of 
three hit ball, I believe. Um, Justin Guerrero back to, back to his ways, uh, homered in the fourth, his fifth of the year, um, through six games at that point. So just an insane stretch by him. Game four, they just killed him 10 2. Um, Mike Handle had a triple in the fifth, which scored two. Justin hit his uh, sixth home run in the ninth in his uh, eighth game. So, you know, not too shabby, averaging That's just under a home run a game. Yeah, just averaging a little bit. Um, then we played a midweek against Quinnipiac. Won both, obviously, because, you know, we're nasty. Game one, 6-3. Closest game we've played. They held us. Um, they held us to six runs impressively. Starter Blake Dakar from Zavarian let up four of those runs. Um, it was the first time against the team Justin hasn't homered in, which just tells you the stretch he's on. Granted, we play him again for two on Wednesday, so maybe he'll homer then and we'll count it as a series homer. Um, Charlie Pagliarini homered in the sixth to uh, end the scoring. The first of his collegiate career, dead center, which is bomb at Fairfield I I'm getting mixed reports on what center is I've heard 390 I've heard 410 I think it's 400 so that ball probably went 415 because it cleared the wall that's pretty good I'll take that yeah um Nick Graybeck our closer uh with the win in this game five innings Eli Oliphant um one of our other better relievers he got the save two inning save um great overall team win Second game, we uh, Mercy ruled them, which is a new thing for conference play this year. Um, highest run output we've had this year, 17 runs. It was just domination. Um, the scoring started off with the Quinnipiac catcher hitting a three-run shot off starter Billy Fitzgerald. Um, it was a bomb. He got excited. He tried to do the Vandy stop at, stomp at, after he touched home. I was a little pissed off about that. It's a little dumb. Um, we answered by um, Handle hit his second homer of the game to kick off the scoring in the first inning for Fairfield. Then in the sixth, back-to-back triples by Justin and Sean Cullen, our first baseman. Um, side note, our one through four of Handle, Ryan, Guerrera, Cullen. I don't think there's been a game where they didn't tally a hit, each of them. They're batting at an insane clip, and it's awesome to watch. So I don't know how you get them out. Um the Quinnipiac catcher who I mentioned, got a feel for him a little bit. He um, he got destroyed behind the plate a few times. His pitchers were just throwing wild pitches left and right, and then he got crossed up a few times. One of them, he thought curveball was coming. Oh, boy. About a 90-mile-hour 90, 90 fastball came as he tried to block it, caught it with his bare hand. Somehow stayed in the game, didn't break his hand, but, oh, man, it looked like it hurt bad. Um, Then in – our matchup against Ryder this past weekend, we swept them, of course. Um, Ryder was the number two team in the MAC coming into this because the MAC's going by total wins. So Fairfield was still number three because they didn't have as many wins as Ryder and Monmouth, who both had 12. No, 10. No, 12. Um, no, I think Ryder had 10. Monmouth had 12. Yeah. Um, very deflating for Ryder. I mean, they threw their best arms the first day and just. They didn't. They scored three total runs the entire series. We put up seven earned runs against the uh, Mac previous Mac pitcher of the week, who had a twenty-two to one strikeout to walk ratio and a .79 ERA. Well, his ERA is a three point oh four, so you can see how that went. 
Um, and he also walked five guys and didn't strike a single guy. So we were just counting that the entire time. Uh, game one, Danny Ryan, homer in the first, his third home run of the year. Justin continuing back with his ways. Homer down the line and left in the second, his seventh of the year. Um, he's just on a stretch I've never seen before. Uh, Charlie doubled in the sixth, scoring Cullen. Sansone, not his best outing, but not bad at all. Five and two-thirds, very pissed when he got taken out because he wanted to finish that. Six hits, three runs, four walks, and five Ks. So not bad. Those were the only three runs we gave up the entire series. So that, that tells you how the next three games went. Uh, Jake Noviello, former guest of the podcast, seven strong, um, giving up no runs on four hits, one walk, and seven Ks. He now has a 20 to two strikeout to walk ratio and a 0.9 ERA, good for third in the MAC. Um, um, we went, he went the complete game due to the run rule. We won. Um, 10 nothing, so perfect run rule. Justin walked it off at the bottom of the seventh. Uh, our two RBI double, I believe. Uh, Justin also homered again in game two because why not? <laughs> uh, his eighth. Um, and he had the RBI double, like I talked about. Uh, Charlie had an RBI triple in the sixth. He's got some wheels that we didn't really know about, but it was it's kind of easy to hit triples in our park. We just haven't been able to do them. But I now think we have the most triples in the MAC and top five in somewhere else. I forget. Um, every hitter in the lineup got a hit. Um, Ryan, Guerrero, Bichetti, Caruso, and Griffin Watson all had two hits. So great day for the bet in the for the bats and pitching. As we said, Novi went seven strong. Um, Saturday, two shutouts. Uh, Signor complete game seven innings of three hits no walks no runs and five k's 83 total pitches which incredibly efficient um, he also just throws ufos and they're impossible to hit he can hit any spot he, he wants and he throws like four fastballs all at different speeds don't ask me how that works i don't know um colin ryan and Greer all had rbi singles in the game there wasn't much scoring it was only uh of five nothing game so not too exciting game four uh colin opened the scoring with a two-run shot in the first his first is a d1 baseball player and first is a stag um he came from d3 union last year uh Bichetti had a uh, two rbi double in the third to continue the scoring bracing kafaro uh pitching for the injured ace uh trey mclaughlin Went six innings, two hits, one walk, four Ks, only 70 pitches. Um, and then they, uh, then we threw Eli and Jason Hebner. Uh, we won six, nothing. The rider starter left in the second inning with what appeared to be an elbow injury did not look good. So hopefully he's okay. Um, seven of the nine Fairfield starters had at least one hit with three of them having two each over the series. We scored outscored rider 29 to three. So if you thought Georgia's beat down, Vandy was bad. We just upped that. Granted, the competition's a little different, but still. Um, because of the series, Jake Noviel won Mac Pitcher of the Week, and Justin Guerrero won Mac Player of the Week with his two home runs. Um, I mean, Jake's throwing with a purpose this year. People have been people were doubting him in the fall and the spring. He wasn't throwing the best in scrimmages. He was he got came off the injury last year, this this year. Um, 
So he's clearly proven that he's belongs. Um, and I think he's, he's great. Now he's thrown as our number two with our number one being out, which is awesome. Um, six year, uh, starter, John Signor. He's just making every batter look silly. He's being very efficient, very low walks, um, very low runs allowed. He has a 0.79 ERA right now, number one in the Mac. Um, he's three and zero as well. Um, Justin Guerrero, like we said, he's just proven that whatever he did in the offseason, like he was talking about, it's working because he has eight home runs in 14 games, uh, number one pace in all of college baseball. Um, like I said, Fairfield's lineup, uh, there's not really a guy you want to pitch to, if we're being honest, but I don't know when a team's going to figure that out. And um, our pitching, if you thought our hitting was good, our pitching has allowed a total of like 24 runs this entire year, which isn't bad. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we got a big series coming up this weekend against Monmouth. We play Quinnipiac for two on Wednesday. Monmouth's the number two team in the MAC right now. They got a great rookie, a few great pitchers. So we'll see how it goes. All right. Well, if you at home are looking at the RPI standings and you see Fairfield at two, now you know why. Because this team is just on a ridiculous roll, as you just outlined. I mean, Justin Guerrero might be the best hitter in college baseball at the moment, and I don't think enough people know his name. Thankfully, we had him on the show to help more people know his name. But that being said, the man is a monster. Best average in college baseball right now. Hitting at a 500 clip. I'll take that. It's it's not bad. It's not bad. And it's been enough of a sample size to prove that, oh, no, this is just how good he is. Yeah, I'd say so. After the first four games, he was hitting like 600, and it was like ridiculous. Yeah. But now we're 14 games in, and he's still hitting 500. It's just absurd. So I would love to see him keep that up. Um, and yeah, big things coming if you even play half the scud the rest of the way. Yeah, for uh, sure. So UConn, now to move on to our Huskies. We are loving our new digs at Elliott Ballpark. I mean, what's not to love? It's a beautiful new facility, but opening day here. Um, you know, after a really, really tough slate of road games to start off the season, things have just been awesome at this new park. Um Started off with an opening day win against Central Connecticut. Um, Pat Gallagher pitched really well, only a two nothing game. So every, every pitch mattered for sure. Um, in the ninth inning, Kyler Fedko flipped over the wall in right field, trying to make a play. We all thought he broke his back and were freaked out considering <laughs> he is at last I checked, he's hitting 456 this season. Not bad. Our, uh, I believe, wait, that's his, is that his on base? Yes, his on base is 456. He's hitting 408, so not like that's shabby either. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was that was quite the way to christen the new digs. Um, we followed that up. URI series, URI has a sneaky good team, and I don't think enough people realized it. Uh, we won two out of three in the series, but it was a battle. Um, Xavier Vargas, especially in their lineup, he hit four home runs in the series, and he went to the, the others of Arian in New York. But oh, we got a few guys from there. Danny's from there, actually. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Xavier Vargas is another name that not enough people know about. He's, we were all joking, like, does he want to transfer here? Because him and Elliot are a match made in heaven. Um, and another name to salute for your eyes, Mike Webb, in game one of our Saturday doubleheader of that series. 
he went all nine. His bats couldn't support him. Um, and eventually, in what was a great pitcher's duel, uh, Pat Winkle had a walk-off blast to right center field um, to finish that one off. Game two of the doubleheader was a tough one, right down to the wire. Um, ultimately, their bats did enough to pull it out, but it was still a great weekend for us, taking two out of three from a team. I mean, it's all you can ask is to win the series. And Eric Stock went eight for 17 as the Big East player of the week. Um, all that while trying to get ready as our backup catcher with the injury to Kieran Deveni. Uh, Pat Winkle has been just putting in a lot of hours behind the plate and such big props to him. He's a stud. He should go pretty high in the draft if all goes well. Um, but anyway, that weekend was, was about Eric Stock with the performance he put up and well-earned player of the week for him. Then BC came to town on uh, the Tuesday after that. And let me tell you, it felt like a playoff atmosphere. You could just, the day before everybody, not that we don't, but working with especially more of a purpose. It was a game that just, we really, really wanted to win. I felt as though BC walked in there a little cocky, feeling good about themselves. Um, but man, um, Joe Mancini started the game off well for them with four scoreless innings, but Pat Gallagher was just as good for us. Um, he went five scoreless against a tough, tough BC lineup. Uh, obviously, as we've seen, some of the stuff they've done against these other really good teams in the AAC there. We've praised um, them but, the whole year. Yeah, they've been amazing. But Gallagher kept them at bay. He threw five scoreless. Um, they had a nice little rally going in the fourth inning. There was a controversial foul tip call. What we thought was the end of the inning. But the umpire didn't think so, even though on replay we, we were correct. But, you know, we could go back and forth on that all day. Anyway, he rebounded, got a huge strikeout to get out of that jam, got everyone real fired up, and then came back out with uh, another scoreless inning in the fifth. And the bullpen did their job. But once we got to the BC bullpen, can't say the same for them. Um, we dropped 12 runs on them from the fifth through the ninth inning. And, well, actually, the eighth inning, because there was no bottom of the ninth. Um, but, man, that just felt good. Um, Chris Winkle, our sixth ease captain, He's been here for a long time. He's a pillar of this program, just an amazing leader, a easiest guy in the world to root for. Uh, he went three for five, two home runs and five RBIs in that game. Everybody was really, really happy for him. And in his post-game interview he did with our guy, Chris Jones, he was all modest, just saying like, yeah, I worked hard, but these coaches have us prepared well. So, I mean, a guy that's that good and is humble. He's just everything you could want in a Husky. And as I mentioned, Kyler Fedko, he's just an absolute monster ever since he turned things around in that Texas tech series. He's just been on some kind of tear hit a three run home run off of the building in left field, our facility. Um, it's just crushed. And yeah, that was, it was a happy team after that. That was quite the day here. Followed it up with a nice little sweep of UMass. Um, we handled them pretty well. Um, the bats were on a roll again. Um, the thing I took the most out of the series was Joe Simeone came in the year as a number two starter. Austin Peterson's thrown the ball so well that Simeone is now in the third spot, but he came back to his old form a little bit, struck out eight guys, only gave up two hits over five innings. So it was a good chance for him to get his confidence back. And everybody was really happy to see that one. Um, then our next midweek um, coming off of that BC midweek energy was quite the game for Bryant, a little bit of a different way to go about it, but, we were down eight to three. It wasn't feeling too good. Uh, but then the bats just started battling as they do. It's a 
deadly lineup. We have um, started off with Zach Bushling. He just always finds a way to get on base. Kyler in the two hole. He's one of the best hitters in college baseball right now. Um, Reggie Crawford, absolute stud over at first base. I'll talk more about him in a second, um, but hit a home run in that game and then ended up closing it out. Um, Christian Fedko, our second baseman, he's amazing. Eric Stuck, as I mentioned, player of the week. We could go on and on, but this lineup is deadly. There are no weak spots at all, and it's a nightmare for some pitchers with the way we battled. Um, so yeah, Reggie came in to close this game out after we used our traditional relievers earlier to keep the game at bay. Um, you know, Caleb Worcester is our closer. He had pitched in the seventh to try to put out a fire. So we needed a guy that could get three outs. Let's bring in our first baseman who can also get it up to 97. Um, he was warming up in between innings, just throwing it, using the first base bag as a rubber, throwing it down to Christian Fedko. Got out to the bullpen for a second before he had to take his at-bat. Um, but man, he's, he's a special talent, closed it out, had the eye black and everything going. It was, it was a really feel good win with that comeback. Um, and we were feeling good going in the weekend too. uh, Georgetown with the big East play Friday night game under the lights, just an amazing, amazing scene there. Um, and on both sides of the ball, it was an amazing weekend for us. Um, Ben Casparius went out and did his thing. Seven shutout innings, which was a complete game because we run ruled them. Um, 10 nothing. Uh, he was just filthy. He they just announced a few minutes ago, Big East pitcher of the week. Of which, if it wasn't him, I would have been pretty surprised. Um, Chris Winkle hit a quote unquote walk off home run there because it was the run rule in the seventh inning, so that that made for another fun atmosphere. But the reason I say Kasparis wasn't the slam dunk biggies pitcher of the week is because Austin Peterson came out on Saturday in game one of the double header and was just unreal. He was so pitch efficient, went through seven innings, only gave up two hits, no runs, a couple ground balls right back at him that he handled well. Um, and was, I think only had somewhere between 70 and 80 pitches. Um, so he was doing real good. And uh, also in that series, it was nice to see Corey Morton get his first career hit. Nice little bunt single. He has some blazing speed and can be a real weapon for us. Um, unfortunately, the only thing that could stop us is COVID, and that has happened. It's hit our program a little bit with a few positive tests. Um, it's also happening in the Bryant program, so that game for Tuesday has been canceled. We're hoping that we can be back in action for a weekend series heading over to Creighton um, coming up this weekend. It's supposed to be a four-game set at TD Ameritrade Park. I'm still jealous that Creighton gets to call that their home. I guess I can't complain too much because we have an amazing home at Elliott. But a little bit of a tough way to end such a feel-good stretch for us. But let's hope that all the tests from today come back better than we hope and we can get back to playing our winning ways. Yeah, I mean, great series. Um, unfortunate how it ended. But, I mean, two pitching gems for sure. And it's not like the bats were bad either. Run ruling... <laughs> No matter how bad the opponent is, run ruling still run ruling, like I like to say. Yeah, it was tough for Georgetown. They had been out of action for a while. This was only their second and third game in the season after they played VCU. So coming in to play the Yukon Huskies, who are a bit of a hammer right now, yeah, um, at it home, was, it was tough for them. Yeah, Elliott Ballpark is playing quite friendly for us, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's not like it's small ballpark either. Hitting a bomb in there is pretty good 
No, it's tough. It's like 330 down the line to right field. So if you if you can pull one as a lefty, it'll be a little easier for you. But most of our left-handed home runs have been shots that would be out in pretty much every ballpark. We've had a few off the scoreboard, including one of Chris Winkles against BC. Um, yeah. So, exactly. yeah, that has not been a problem so far. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, COVID, what can you do? I mean, obviously, you can be a little safer, but who would have thought? It's not like it's not like the guys are out partying every night and stuff like that. So it's it's a tough situation to navigate. Yeah, exactly. We got a pretty responsible group of guys, um, so we can't really fault them for it. It's just we knew this was something that was inevitable to happen to a few programs over the course of college baseball season. We've seen some of it, and it was it was our turn to take that gamut. So let's hope we can keep it to just a few guys right now and be back at it because it just would suck if that slowed down our momentum because we've been doing so well. Yeah, it would really suck for sure. Um, I know here at Fairfield, all the athletic teams have to wear these COVID belts, which I saw at March Madness. They're little things, and you put it in a belt, and you can wear it as like an anklet. You can wear it on your waist. Wear it all types of places. I don't, I don't know. I just know it. It like detects so like contact tracing for UConn. They'd be able to tell who would have to be contact traced based on who's been within six feet for fifteen minutes cumulative. So it's an interesting concept. I don't know how much it would work with you guys because it seems like it's hit your program hard. But for a team that has only one positive, then you wouldn't have to contact trace everyone. You'd only have to contact trace the guys who are told to contact trace based on the belt. I really like that idea. I think that's something everybody should be doing. I guess just the way we felt about it is that we're all close contact of one another. But you're right. It's if you're within six feet, 15 minutes, that whole rule. So I like that you guys are doing that. I think it's something that every team should be adopting. I completely agree. I mean, I know some of the guys don't like it because why would they? But still, <laughs> it's it's a safe measure. And with every, our team's supposed to be getting vaccinated on Thursday, or most of them are. So we'll, we should be good to go, hopefully. Yeah, that's, that's another thing that's going to be really good. We've got kind of on a rolling basis. Some of our guys are getting it. I just got dose one on Tuesday. I know you got your... J and J was it last week or two weeks ago? Yeah, last Monday. Okay. But yeah, hopefully that will solve this problem. I mean, that's that's why we're doing it. So um, yeah, let's hope that COVID is less and less of a worry as the season goes along, especially with postseason coming up before we know it, as we've reached the halfway point of the season by now. Yeah, it's coming quicker than we realize. I mean, we'll have played our 20th game on Sunday, so. We only, we only scheduled 40, and eight of them had already been postponed. So, Oh, geez. Yeah, we, we overscheduled a little bit in case this happens. So we scheduled 59 games, um, some midweeks against uh, Northeastern that we thought we might not have to play. But, hey, they're a nice opponent. I'm excited to play those games. Um, not that I wanted any canceled, but yeah. that will get us back up to our 56. So looking forward to those. Um, Got to love the Northeastern rivalries. For sure. Northeastern rivalries are better than anything else. That's why I'm sad we're not playing each other this year. But, hey, what can you do? It'll come, and who knows? Maybe some uh, some regional runs that could still happen. It's very true. College World Series action. I would love that more than anything in the world right now, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I mean, while this was all going on, while we've been away, um, the MLB season started back gotten yeah. a little over a weekend and 
this might be cliche, but I don't care. This is going to be one of the best seasons ever. Yeah, I completely agree. I think what we've already seen the past two weeks, there's no doubt, some circumstances permitting, that this is going to be the best season we've had. Yes, I mean, after last year, everybody's desperate to get the 162 back in. Um, you know, aside from some people that call for the schedule to be shorter, but I know I'm desperate to get the 162 back in. Um, it was it was like a little bit of a tease of a regular season last year, so it's so nice to have it back, seeing those fans in the stands. Uh, ballpark packed in Texas, that was that was interesting, but but yeah, it's just so nice to see it. I mean, we talked about it with college ball, but it's refreshing. I loved I, I loved the park packed. It looked like they were all. Or a mess for the most part. Then again, Texas, and they don't have to. So as long as they're all being, listen, we haven't heard of any outbreaks happening. So I'm all for it. Do what you're comfortable doing and try to be safe. Yeah, exactly. If you're comfortable going, I, I mean, I would be. I'm going if I can. The Giants don't play them, unfortunately, but still. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, your Giants are looking like they can make a little run. I don't see why they can't be a wild card team. You know, I say wild card team because Dodgers and Padres are not yeah. bad competition. They're, they're some decent teams. Although the Giants did take two out of three from the Padres. That is true. You can't deny the facts. And Tatis is going to be out for a while, unfortunately. unfortunately. It's a shame. Nobody wants to see that. Um, you know, certainly doesn't hurt the Giants and Dodgers, but it's a shame. I mean, anytime one of the superstars of baseball has that happened? I don't think there was one person in the world that was happy to see that. Uh, I will argue that there were some Giants fans that were like cheering on Twitter and stuff. And I was like, come on, you got to be like respectful. That's for Dodgers yeah. fans to do. Let's they can real. be all Dodgers cheering fans against an injury have tried for anybody. Oh, that's, that's another thing at Giants opening day. Some guy who like got put in a coma from Dodgers fans when he went to a game yeah. 10 years ago, he threw out the first pitch, which was awesome. That was awesome to see him back there. It was like, I didn't know how to feel because it depressed me the fact that what he had to go through just reminding me of that story again. But his recovery, I mean, that's amazing. He didn't even think he'd survive. And now he's on the field at Oracle throwing out the first pitch. Never mind survive. I mean, if he survived, you'd think he'd be paralyzed. And he's not paralyzed. He's walking out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's crazy. And that just shows how bad Dodgers fans are. And they suck. (laughs) Yeah, well, great, great job by him recovering to there. Um, and yeah, the NL West, I should not use the word battle after we just talked about that, but the NL West will be a battle. No, I, I said going into the season, I think the Giants would win the NL Central and have a shot at being a top two team in the NL East. I think they're that good. And then, of course, the first night they're up five. Uh, I think it was like 8-2, and they somehow lost 9-8. Yeah, that was quite the series they had going in Seattle there. Had an extra inning game, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they did. Uh, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I Their bullpen is good, and then it sucks. And it's like, I don't know what to think about them. They're starting pitching. Gosman's been insane. Quaid almost threw a complete game. Their hitting has been unbelievable. They're just hitting. Crawford somehow can hit for power. Posey had two home runs the first two games. He's that was so well. good to see. Oh, that was awesome. He has his I hip mean, back. Just as a baseball fan, it was awesome to see, but I can't imagine how happy you must have been watching that go down. I, I watched and I go, wait, we're watching the same guy? 
<laughs> and then all of a sudden he did it again the next night. I go, Posey's got a pop. It's 2012 again. It is. Hey, why not? Giants love to prove people wrong more than anybody. And I agree with your assessment that they could definitely win the NL Central if they were in that division. Um, Cincinnati's gotten off to a really hot start with all of Cassianos' theatrics and the home runs. Uh, we'll get into the suspension in a little bit. Um, but yeah, Milwaukee, St. Louis, and the Cubs have all been kind of middling teams with 500 records. Um, you know, Milwaukee's got uh, Corbin and Brandon leading up that rotation. But it's aside from that, their offense is just so-so. Um, so yeah, everything everything you said. <laughs> yeah, and um, also along the NL West, uh, there's some con there's some conspiracy that MLB's out to get Trevor Bauer, which I'm all for going after, even though he's a dog like because he's a dodger, you know. But he's also hilarious. And um I completely respect if he's just openly cheating and giving a middle finger to the MLB because that's just a savage move. Yeah, I mean he was probably the main reason MLB started this testing of looking yeah. at taking the balls out of play and analyzing it because his spin rate went through the roof last year. But I think he's great for the game because he's a guy that's not afraid to admit things, not afraid to go to war with people. He's a controversial figure, which is something baseball needs. Uh, I mean, they had George Brett so long ago. But yeah, that's a great There hasn't been that many controversial guys. He's a controversial figure, but it's also nonstop content with Trevor Bauer. So yeah, he's all about the camera. I like the guy. Yes, maybe I like him except for he's a Dodger. But he's very entertaining. I just don't like that he's a Dodger. Yeah, that's that's a tough draw for you. Like I've said multiple times, I think I'd root for Clayton Kershaw openly if he wasn't a Dodger. Yeah, it it you know it was great to see him finally get that ring after all the time dues he's paid to get there. Also, speaking of rings, Joe Kelly's the best doing the. Uh, pouty face as he was holding it up there's already a new mural of that in downtown la i mean it's joe kelly what do you expect he's awesome i love joe kelly might be my favorite player in baseball even if he's not a red Sox anymore ah well because he's but you know he's great great figure yeah we we could have a favorite player debate but you know what i'm saying speaking of the red Sox, i mean they're on a torrid stretch they got swept the first three games and well, they don't look like that team well, anymore. Th- those didn't happen, right? We-, we blocked those out of memory. They're they're undefeated since opening day against Tampa Bay. <laughs> oh, right. I forgot. Yeah. And they're just hitting home runs at will. I mean, the other day, Devers had two. JD had three. Luckily, I kept Devers in my lineup that day because he's been <laughs> cold to start the year. JD but he's notoriously cold. Yeah, yeah, JD's JD like, I got my video back. Now I'm going to hit home runs. I saw he was like on pace for 236 or something like that. But the way he's going wouldn't surprise me. Three home runs against Baltimore yesterday. Um, just an absolute torrid stretch. And for a guy that puts in the work he does, so the things you love to see. Yeah. And then they had their game postponed today because of uh, what happened yesterday in Minnesota. But yeah, that's it's a tough situation. Um, MLB still weighing what they want to do for those next couple games. We'll see. There was some chatter about moving it to Boston. There was some chatter about doing double header tomorrow. So who knows what'll happen, but that'll be a great series. Um, oh yeah. That's two, that's two power teams too. They're mashing yeah. and Barrios four games. So you're going to yeah. get the best pitchers. Yeah. Barrios is, I mean, he had a no hitter and they pulled him because it's early in the season or whatever, but yeah. 
Musgrove didn't that. care about that. Yeah. Musgrove was like, I'm throwing 100 yeah. plus pitches. When we were talking about the Padres, I can't believe I didn't mention that. Joe Musgrove rolling into that new ballpark down in Texas. San Diego kid, first guy in franchise history to throw on. There was a lot of Padres fans there, too. Like, that was a loud cheer. Now, granted, the Rangers fans were probably cheering at that point, too, because they're like, well, our team sucks. Let's cheer for the no-hitter. <laughs> Props but, to this man. Yeah, and it's the first no-hitter in San Diego history by a guy from San Diego, which is such a story. I mean, that's just awesome. I was texting in the group chat. I'm like, well, who had Joe Musgrove throw the first no-hitter of the MLB season? Because I sure didn't. Yeah, everybody was talking about, you know, Snell and Darvish, Snell and Darvish. But Joe Musgrove was like, okay, fine. I thought I was a great acquisition for them. I'll show you guys. Maybe I'm the best one. Yeah. Yeah, until I mean, Clevenger I've comes back next year. I've always what he can bring to the table. He was very underrated in Pittsburgh. He looks like a pitcher, too. He just looks like a pitcher. He does. Him. He was always one of those underrated guys like James Shields used to be before he had his whole outgoing. (laughs) James Shields, who uh, never forget, netted the Padres Fernando Tatis. There's some crazy trades that I don't understand how they went down. But we could host about seven podcast episodes just discussing those trades. Probably more just discussing those trades. Also just discussing Padres and Rays. Just a bazillion. Very true. And, you know, former Pirates guys that do well elsewhere. I'm sorry, Pirates. Which is everyone. <laughs> I said when we saw that guy throw well the other day, I said, well, he's not going to be there next year. No. I mean, I have faith that Ben Sherrington will turn it around. He did a real nice job kind of rebuilding things in Boston. I mean, well, won the 2013 championship, but got a lot of good talent into that farm. So it's been painful for them having to trade guys like Bell and Musgrove, but I think he's got a good vision for that team. Yeah, and another team that has been notorious bad for a few years, the Tigers, well, they got quite the story. I mean, walk-off, grand slam, and a home run in your fish pitch? Have a week. <laughs> I mean, my God. That's not a bad way to start, huh? Yeah, I, I can't pronounce his name, but everyone <laughs> knows who I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, I like what AJ Hinch is doing there. I think it's it's a nice comeback story. Everybody loves to hate the Astros, but they're, AJ Hinch, you know, he had that whole thing with smashing the monitor, so maybe he didn't want that going on. So I think it's a cool comeback story to see AJ Hinch doing this. Yeah, uh, he's going to lead a team that no one thought was going to do much to be at least competitive this year. Yeah, and a division that both centrals just aren't good. So now they're not going to win. But they could. They got a veteran manager. He's going, coming home today, going to play the Astros. Um, I assume there'll be a huge ovation for him. Oh, yeah. Because it's not like he was fired. Well, he technically was. but Yeah, it was a whole to-do. <laughs> it was a whole thing. Whatever. I, uh, another team that's on fire is the Astros. So, they're, so that should be a good series, I think. The Astros took, what, five of six from the – uh, athletics or something yeah, like that from opening weekend and then two out of three next time yeah um who have had a tough start with only two wins i think um but they do yeah. have the great comedy acts playing um all kinds of music at the astros <laughs> during their walk-ups and all that it's great or you had comedy. the angels fans throwing trash cans onto the field i don't i don't know how the security guards let that one get by but 
How do you bring a track something. into the stadium? That's my question. That's uh, yeah. I would have loved to see a GoPro footage of that whole day going down. <laughs> I'd love to know how that happened. Speaking of the uh, Angels, um, Otani is the most skilled player in baseball, and Trout is the best player in baseball. So they should win the World Series, theoretically. Yeah. Um, their pitching's done pretty well so far, um, and Shohei is back and better than ever. Um, had that as long, Sunday night as long game. As he stays healthy. Very true. That say a prayer for that because he's so much fun to watch. Um, that Sunday night game on Easter um, with them and the White Sox. That was a great series to open up the season. Um, we'll get yeah, it kind of gets overshadowed by that game, but it was a great series. Yeah, White Sox great too. Um, but yeah, Shohei, Joe. I I liked Joe Madden keeping him in with the bases loaded there because I'm always a proponent of letting your starter get out of it rather than putting a real tough spot in your reliever to a point. But I, I liked his decision to leave Shohei in. Had that crazy play with the ball getting by Stassi, the third first. Fletcher throwing it over. Shohei getting decked by Abreu. That was that was crazy. But he should have gotten. Then he out came of back that. the next night, scored the game winning run. So he was he was fine, thankfully. He should have gotten out of that. I think still, like I mean, he got the strikeout I've, on a nasty pitch. Yeah, no, Stassi should have blocked that. Like. Stasi's whatever Otani's personal catcher. Well, he should probably f- use the other guy because <laughs> Stasi can't block at all. That was that was tough. But and when you throw a splitter like that, you got to have a catcher that can block. Yeah. Jared but Walsh, he also you're forgetting the home run that sounded like a bomb went off. Oh my god! Because of the well, the ESPN mics are a whole different story. But still, that yeah, was hard. They do a good job of capturing the action. Um, but yeah. There was an overlay on Twitter that had Shohei throwing to Shohei hitting that home run. Oh, that has to be trippy. That thing was a moonshot. I think it was Augustine Visuals is the name of the account. So to the people listening, hey, go check like that out. Um, so far. And then he did it uh, another one a few nights later. Yeah. A few days the, later. Just the torque of turning those balls around the way he does. He's We're a not even talking about Trout. Athlete. Trout hit one 470 and Otani just waved it to goodbye. Yeah, we're, we're talking about Shohei, but oh, by the way, one of the greatest players to ever step on the field, and Mike Trout is also on that team. So is Albert yeah, and, he's hit, and he's hitting like 470 or something. He's just on an insane stretch to start the season. Well, you know, he claimed that last year he was terrible, even though he you know came in fifth in MVP voting. That's an His awful worst. year for Mike Trout. Yeah, it is. He's not <laughs> wrong. It was a bad year for him. Um, so, yeah. Anyone else would love that. He's back to being Mike Trout this year, which is, you know, a site that You'd love to see his swing so beautiful it is that one I want he hit that. off of the elementary school down in Dunedin the other night mm-hmm. it's ridiculous that, that that zoomed in shot from the Blue Jays broadcast of just the ball coming in high and him turning on it oh my god that is just baseball overload like I could watch that all day him and Otani two great swings absolutely Otani looks like he hits a home run every time he swings though I will say. He does. Um, and Jared Walsh is another underrated guy in that lineup. Uh, they got Albert at first base in the last year of his contract there, but Walsh has got to keep an eye on. He had that walk-off to end the Sunday night game we were discussing. So mm-hmm. no shortage yeah, of talent. He's a great hitter. He's, they, he used to be a two-way, and they converted him to first base only because they yeah. lost that. Um, what other teams we got? Um, we're staying uh, in the, the NL. Or yeah, the NL East. I don't know why. No, the NL. But, um, we, 
the NL East. It's 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 something's going on there. It's the gauntlet that we expected it to be. Um, and even the worst team in the division right now, the Nats at one and five, they had half their roster out with COVID. So I'm not even going to worry about them yet. Yeah, they can't have Soto carrying them their entire season. Max pitched well the other day in a great matchup between him and Kershaw, but wasn't enough. Um, anyway, so great Sunday night baseball game to cap off this weekend. Although was it great with MLB replay being the way it is? So here's my argument. If you're going to have replay, replay, you got to get it right every time. He didn't touch home plate. It's clear as day to every eye. And like you said, 90% you're of the population thinks so. The Phillies fans are the only ones that don't think so. There's some brotherhood or some conspiracy going on with the umpires and the review guys in New York that needs to stop because they're scared to like make their guys look bad, even though that was clear as day. I would have been fine if there was no replay and he got it wrong on the on the field because it's tough to see in real time. Yeah, like, you do the best you can. He looks safe in real time. But when you slow it down, you got to get it right. And my other question is, why is MLB the only replay that where the umpire doesn't also get to see it? Yeah, I don't consider looking up at the scoreboard, seeing it. I, I need to give me give him at least an iPad so he can provide some feedback and tell New York what he was thinking when he made the call. Because, yeah, they're, they got their pride and their egos. They don't want to turn the call around. Well, just get rid of replay if you're not going to make it right. I mean, as you said, it's, you know, it was ridiculous. It, he was clearly out, and the Braves got the short end of the stick there. Yeah, and I'd say probably of all the four major sports, the best one is NHL. They review everything almost too much. Well, that's another thing that the MLB should do because there was another problem they had with the uh, Conforto hit by pitch right down the middle where he clearly – he didn't even try to get out of the way. He leaned into it. He absolutely like clear as day. It. He went, yep, that hit me. And I go, well, the catcher caught it one, so clearly it barely touched you. Two – that ended the game. That needs to be a reviewable call. That needs to change. I agree 100%. If there's should not be any plays that can't be reviewable. I mean, give me one good reason for why that can't be reviewed. It's a hit by a pitch call. I mean, it yeah. doesn't even make sense. I, the Marlins have every right to gripe about that one. So them and the Braves can both suffer together because it was a, a tough showing. for. Replay. And you'd think like, once the umpires met, like the second base umpire or something would see that he leaned into it. Because maybe the home plate umpire didn't see that. All right, fine. One of the umpires definitely saw it. Absolutely. But that umpire brotherhood where they don't want to look stupid after all that stuff. There's something. Something's fishy going up. There's I mean, some conspiracy. I'm sorry to be this blunt, but what looks more stupid than that call going around Twitter and everybody criticizing MLB for it? Like, admit yeah. you're wrong. It was a mistake. I didn't make the right call here. Flip the call around and everybody's happy. Well, I guess the Mets wouldn't be happy, but. Yeah, but. <laughs> Most everyone of baseball else. is happy because they made the right decision. But the Mets could understand it. It's fine. It's they a. Could. Yeah. That's a rational get ex- people. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's fortunate. Um, but, I mean, Manfred, this is all back to him. He has just been ruining baseball since he came into office. Now, there's some rules that we like. We agree. There's some rules that we hate, and it's more than that we like, and he's not making adjustments in season that he should. Yeah. You know what rule I liked? Universal DH. Okay, let's take that away. You know what rule I like? Run around second base and exchange. Okay, we'll keep that. 
never mind. The runner doesn't count as an earned run, and it just defeat. Like you can't have an eighteen in a game like the Giants Nationals did. You can't. Or, it's impossible. Yeah. No, it's you can't do it. And I get in the regular season you want to limit the extra innings, but that's free baseball. How about we meet in the middle and say like, okay, you can start doing it in the twelfth inning. You, you have I like your that, way, but we get ours for a few innings. Yeah, 10, 10 and 11. That way we won't kill our bullpens, but we can still have plenty of free baseball. Yeah, because you're starting with a runner on second. That's like some inner squad college baseball stuff. Yeah. I don't even think our inner squad gets that crazy. <laughs> no, we'll start with a runner on first sometimes or like first and third to work on that type of play. Yeah, practice a bunt defense or something. Yeah, we're not – but like in a game, I can't even imagine if we started on second. It's not fair, especially with our lineup because we're nasty. <laughs> same here um but yeah i mean that's that's just tough i i don't like it there's plenty of stuff that we could talk about with these rules that we don't like but that stands out a lot you know another one is the service time manipulation oh, that's um, that was one more thing i wanted to get to because the rays the rays are running out some guys you know i'm sorry because they're former red Sox, but like colin McHugh. Chris Mazza, Jeffrey Springs, you're going to run them out, but keep Luis Patino and Shane McClanahan in the minor leagues. You know, clearly they're major league ready because they were on the postseason rosters. So why are you not going to have your best team up there? Um, you know, they finally got Brent Honeywell up. Um, it's been a long time coming for him making his major league debut, but follow him up with Michael Waka. I mean, I know he's going to go into the Rays lab and they'll make him better than he used to be, but you could have Luis Patino, who's like a consensus top prospect instead. So the only one I will say tough. I mean, the Marlins guy got caught for it this offseason, but I will say not bringing up Franco yet. I understand that one because they don't really have a need for him right now. They could make a need for him just because he's that good. But I wouldn't really consider that manipulating. I would say that's more just them doing, not needing him yet. Yeah, I'm not going to grave about a guy that's 20, 21, too. It's the same thing with Bobby Witt in Kansas City. He had a great spring training, but let's be real. He might not be major league ready yet. Let's let's give him some time. That I have no Yeah, problem. he was out of high school, too. Yeah. He's like, he's still super young. Like the whole Vlad Guerrero thing where they tried to manipulate his service time, we knew he was ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Bryant. That's always been the most famous example of it. Yeah. There's so many. Tatis was probably one of the ones that wasn't. Yeah. I mean, it's ref- it's refreshing to see that, but you also wonder, well, why not just do it? You can get the extra year. You only have to suffer for a month or so. Like, I, I completely yeah, understand why the teams do it. It's just it's uh it's messed up rules that i don't like because that shouldn't be that way you should field your best team yeah i think that's another thing manfred has to fix but i'm not sure he will yeah because he's all for the owners these cba negotiations are going to be a war and i don't want to think about it (laughs) yeah i'm not sure we're going to get out of them okay so that's uh that's um let's let's just enjoy this season and enjoy college baseball first (laughs) yeah um another nlace thing um the phillies kind of look good from their bullpen from their lineup harper's producing remuto's producing their pen is definitely producing first couple games their pen didn't allow a run um 
I was saying I liked what Dombrowski did to rebuild that. Um, you already have some names like uh, Hector Norris and, uh, oh, I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah, David Hale, too. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez is hurt. But um, bringing in guys like Alvarado, Kinsler, um, Archie Bradley, a name we discussed that you weren't a fan of with his Giants time, but Sam Coonrod has been doing well so far. Um, so yeah, nice. I, as long as he's not on the Giants, who still seem to blow games, but whatever. <laughs> Clearly, it wasn't the him; it was the Giants doing something wrong. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, Harper going yard the other night. Um, that was electric. Watch out for the Phillies. This team has a lot to prove. They defied the odds and brought Real Muto back, proving that they still want to win. So maximize. The I think they're a dark horse. I'm not sure they can. I'm not sure how they'll do in October because I'm not confident in their pitching. But I think if their arms keep it up like this, they're a dark horse. Absolutely. I mean, if you get out of that division, arguably the best in baseball. You know, we could say that NL West is too, but. You know, you get out of that division, it says a lot about your team. So I'm all in on the Phillies right now. Yeah, there's an argument to be made. The winner of the World Series winner is going to be coming out of that division. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to them or the West, I feel like. Yeah, I'm not sure the AL is going to win this year. We were projecting the White Sox would be the best team. And while it is still early, they're four and five right now. And that's another the Astros good Red Sox look series. insane, though. I will say the Astros look good. They do. And but I'm not sure if that's going to last. Adding Jake Odorizzi to the mix finally after a little while. Um, yeah. It was kind of surprising to see them send Christian Javier down after he had a nice rookie year for them last year. But they said they want to get him to build up to a few more innings. So expect to see him again soon. Yeah. And um, team we talked about, the Braves. Um, Okunia is maybe a seven tool. He's definitely a six tool. He might be a seven tool. Yeah. He's, I've never seen a guy that fast. Apparently, he's as fast as Billy Hamilton in his prime. But Billy Hamilton was also 150 pounds. Not actually, but felt and like coming it. out of the left-handed batter's box. Who's yeah. Coming out of the right coming out of, he's coming out of the right at like 225. He's a big guy. That ball to Gregorius the other night, 108.6 exit velocity. He somehow beat it out. Makes you wonder why can't he do that all the time. But um, it's just unreal and we were saying before the show we both kind of saw that highlight on social media and we're like okay routine ground ball oh my god i i said i didn't even have no oh my god the first time because i didn't w- realize what happened i had to watch it like four times before i realized oh my god he's four steps past the base <laughs> how just downright ridiculous well I do wonder why he doesn't do that all the time. I also have to imagine his hamstrings wouldn't be able to hold up. Yeah. The human body can only do so much. Just like an arm can only throw 110 at max. I don't think he can run that fast all the time. Although it does put 50-50 into play if he keeps mashing like he is. Yeah. And it sure makes the other team worried when he steps to the plate. Because even if I get this guy to roll over one, it's far from a sure out. He could just be—he could have the best average ever if he just bunted every time. I think. I don't doubt it. I yeah. Mean, um, it's speaking of his home runs, um, his bat flips are—he, I think he's more electric than Tatis. The combination of that bat flips with the throwback Braves uniforms they're wearing oh, to honor Hank Aaron. Oh my God, that is just beautiful. 
And they got that MLB camera that's like the CBS one where it just blurs out everything except for him. That When they posted on social media, I'm like, that that's what I'm going for. I just don't have the equipment to do it. Yeah. No, that would crazy um everybody went crazy for that cbs camera but let's appreciate what mlb social media is doing and what fairfield's got coming up too with what you've been trying to do there um but yeah those shots are electric and talk about marketing the game nothing better than that yeah no absolutely i mean it was insane yeah i mean you love to see a star of the game doing his thing and living up to the hype so far. I think that goes without saying. For sure. Um, so, yeah, unless you had anything else to add, baseball is back. Major League Baseball is back in a big way. College baseball is rolling along. Been a real fun thing to watch so far and plenty more good baseball to come. Yeah, and keep a lookout for you, Colin Fairfield. We're both on Warpast once they get off COVID pause. Yep. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, we can get back and give Creighton a little piece of our mind this weekend. That's the hope in TD Ameritrade too. Nonetheless, that's going to be fun to watch. No shortage of camera angles for our our resident video coordinator here to take a look at. No, that would be so many options. Oh man. Just thinking about it. I'm envious. We got to, Awesome, awesome, awesome ballpark. But I'm still envious of that. But if compare, great ballpark, much better than ours. I will say that. That's still an MLB ballpark. That it doesn't oh, yeah. compare. No, hundred percent. The only things that might compare are some of those Southern college schools, Ole Miss, yeah. that South Carolina Florida ballpark. Yeah, even Vandy doesn't compare. For being honest. Mm. No, they get a nice one, but. If you have MLB quality, that that kind of stands out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and that new Brave Stadium was on display Sunday night. It was great to see all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so thanks so much for tuning in, guys. It's been great to get back to you. Hopefully, we'll be a little more consistent with our recordings because the schedules were just wild the last two weeks. But we're looking forward to bringing you more content as college baseball rolls along. And stay tuned. Check those socials, Beyond the Diapod on Twitter, Beyond the Diamond Podcast on Instagram. More content coming for you all the time. Absolutely. Great to see you guys again. All right. We'll talk to you next time.